The problem with bearing fruit is not in the technique, according to John 15. The problem with bearing fruit is whether we are abiding in Him or not. Well, welcome back to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. Today, I am again finishing my last series on this matter concerning parables, specifically focusing on the ones that have the Lord revealing Himself in some relation to a plant. I know that's kind of an interesting thing, but it's very interesting that the Lord decided to choose this to describe his relationship with us. As we have seen in the previous podcast, what we are seeing here is what is on God's heart. So oftentimes, maybe when we read the Bible, we look for things that can help us, things that can help us with prosperity or things that can help us improve our patience or maybe our loving kindness toward one another or maybe our serving the poor or helping the widow or orphans or things of that nature. But what we're getting here is a lot to do with what is on God's heart or maybe another way to put it, what is God's need. We saw in the first parable concerning the parable of the sower that our heart is actually crucial in the matter of the Lord's spread. In this matter of the Lord bearing fruit, and by fruit we mean not the spiritual fruit of the Spirit as seen in Galatians, but actually people. The spread of His gospel and the multiplying of His word in people's heart depends absolutely on our heart, on our heart's condition. And this is a revolutionary thought because On one hand, God is all-powerful. He can do whatever He wants to do. There's no one that can stop Him. He is God Almighty. He created the entire universe just by speaking. But in this aspect of His work on the earth, He purposely limits Himself to us. And oftentimes we see this in many examples, such as the parting of the Red Sea, where Moses cried out to God, and God actually asked Moses to touch the water, to split the Red Sea. We also saw in the matter of Noah's Ark, how God actually waited on Noah to build the Ark. Of course, God could have created an Ark and dropped it down from heaven and told him to get in. Of course, God could have delivered the people from Egypt without Moses' help. But oftentimes, mysteriously, God chooses to wait on man in order for essentially man to cooperate with God so that God can accomplish what he wants to do on the earth. And so we definitely saw that in this matter of the parable of the sower, that fruitfulness is not dependent on God's word or God's gospel, but it's dependent on our heart. The second parable that we saw was this matter of the grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying. And what we wanted to see here was maybe the other aspect of our redemption. Of course, we know when the Lord died on the cross, He redeemed us from our sin. Of course, He forgave us, washed us, made us white as snow. Of course, this caused us to come back to God, to be accepted, to have no blockage in our access with God the Father. But the other side of Christ's redemption, of Him falling to the ground and dying, is that He would bring forth many brothers. You could say this was a germinating side of his salvation. This matter of being born again. This matter of having God's life planted in us. This is the other aspect of God's great salvation work. 
And you could say that the redemption part was the beginning of our salvation. This matter of life growing in us is definitely our Christian life today. So that brings us now to John chapter 15. And I would have to say that this is probably one of the most mysterious parables or pictures that the Lord has decided to paint. John 15 is nearing the end of Jesus' ministry. The Lord had done many great works of miracles. He had raised people from the dead. He had cast out demons. He had healed lepers. He had healed crippled people. But here, the Lord is about to go to the cross. And you could say that this time, the Lord really wants to say something. I know personally, in my experience with patients that were about to pass away, who knew that their time was short, they didn't really waste time speaking things that they thought weren't important. In fact, many times what they wanted to say were things that were very important to them. Well, you can say that in John 15, this is the Lord's thought. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to leave the disciples here on earth, physically. And this is what is on his heart. So I'm going to go ahead and read a few of these verses, mainly focusing on John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So I'm going to start and we'll jump around a little bit. But again, I always encourage our listeners to read the entire chapter of John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So again, this is the Lord Jesus, and this is essentially His final words before He goes to the cross. And of all the things He can talk about, things of doing good works or donating money to the poor, or things in that category, He actually doesn't address any of those things. He starts off with this word, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Some other translations use this word husbandman. Essentially, what the father is in this parable is a cultivator. He is someone that cultivates the branches on the vine so that they may bear fruit. Now, I like this. In verse 3, the Lord is saying, you are already clean. So what essentially he's saying is, we're not talking about your initial salvation anymore. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You're the ones that have followed me, that have believed in me, that have said that I am the Son of God, that, that I am the Messiah. And you guys have followed me, so you are clean. But this is important for you after your salvation. 
this word is important to you after you believe that the Lord is your Savior. Because if you think about it, once we believe in the Lord, I got saved when I was quite young in sixth grade. I still have 70, 80 years to live. What am I going to do in that time? The Lord starts off right here. In that time, you must realize that I am the true vine and that you are branches in me. And the purpose of a branch is to what? It's not to look pretty. It's not to have a bunch of flowers. The purpose of the vine is to bear fruit. But I like what the Lord said here. He said, you cannot bear fruit by yourself unless you abide in the vine. So we're going to spend some time here talking about this matter of abiding. What does that mean? So I'm no botanist and I'm definitely no gardener. But what I know from basic botany class is that the branch has all its supply and nourishment and sap from the vine. So you're right. If you take a vine branch and you tear it off, that vine is essentially useless. It cannot bear fruit. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter how big it was. If it was not constantly abiding in the vine, then it cannot bear fruit. And I like that thought. It is a constant abiding. It's not a abide in the Lord at seven o'clock in the morning during my Bible time. And I do not abide in the Lord anymore during the rest of the day. But this is a constant abiding. And if we do this, something will happen. We will bear fruit. Now, the fruit in the context of John 15 is not fruit like fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, peace, patience, kindness. Although that will happen if we abide in the Lord. But what this is talking about is people. If we wonder why we aren't really gospelizing and preaching the gospel to unbelievers or nourishing other believers and causing them to grow or quote-unquote bearing fruit in this way, the issue is our abiding. The issue is not our technique. You know, oftentimes I will hear pastors or youth pastors say, well, we just have to do a different technique. We're not reaching the young people because, you know, they are on social media, so we got to get on social media. Or they like playing video games, so we got to play video games with them. Or they like this type of music, so we'll play this type of music to attract them. The problem with bearing fruit is not in the technique according to John 15. The problem with bearing fruit is whether we are abiding in him or not. Read verse 5 again. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Brothers and sisters, we just got to stop here for a second. If we do not abide, it does not matter what technique we do. It doesn't matter what singer you have there. It doesn't matter how great your praise band is. It doesn't matter how cool your pastor is or how he can speak just plain common English lingo that can really cause, you know, the young people to understand. It doesn't matter what the building looks like or all those other things. If we are not abiding in the Lord, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now let that sink in real quick. You know, sometimes I have gone to mega churches and I go to their worship service and I enjoy the worship service. You know, I enjoy worshiping God. And I'll have someone that tells me, you know, I just get so touched in this place. And the reason I know is because I'm just crying tears 
And I know that if I'm here and I'm seeing and I'm crying tears, that that means that that God was here. And I'll tell you right now, that might be true. Sure, that your experience with God has caused you to cry tears, but that might also not be true because guess what? I've seen people crying at Taylor Swift concerts. I've seen people crying at John Mayer concerts. Crying in a concert has very little to do with whether or not God is there. So it's one of those, it could be, but it also could be not. I guess the point that I'm trying to bring out here is we need to stop looking at this matter of bearing fruit from a technique standpoint. We need to ask ourselves, are we abiding in the Lord? And there's a couple of practical things people might ask. Well, okay, well, how do I abide in the Lord continually? What does that look like? Well, in verse 7, it says, Abide in me and my words abide in you. So let me ask you, does God's word abide in you? Do you spend time adequately in the morning with the Lord so that his words abide in you? What I mean by that is not memorize. All right. It's not enough to just memorize the word. It's not enough to just read the word. But abide has a a make home connotation to it. Abide has a percolating, mixing type of flavor to it. And so the word of God is living and active, according to Hebrews 4. Is that living and active word operating in you? That is what verse 7 is asking. Another one is, are you abiding in the Lord's love? Do you love the Lord? Do you ask the Lord every morning or tell him, Lord, I love you? Do you tell him through the day, Lord, I love you? I know I tell my wife multiple times a day how much I love her, and she's amazing, and she's awesome. But my relationship with the Lord has to be even more intimate. So if I tell my wife I love her 10 times a day, how many times do I tell the Lord I love him? This is another maybe indicator of our abiding in God. The third thing, what about our joy? These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, this is often characterized by what makes you happy. And not happy in like I got a brand new car happy, but what brings you joy? Is it materialistic things? Is it your income? Maybe it's your family, and there's nothing wrong with your family bringing you joy, and your children bringing you joy, and your job bringing you joy. These are all normal things, but what is your first place? What brings you the most joy? Is it the Lord? Or is the Lord replaceable on Saturday by a football game? Is the Lord replaceable because you got a brand new car? Is the Lord replaceable because of some quote-unquote other distraction? These are very real, honest questions to ask ourselves because this is what the Lord is telling you. One of, again, his final words to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. And I like this in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified. You know, oftentimes we believers say glorify God, right? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. What does that mean? What does that mean to us? 
Does that mean we just say it on Sunday morning in worship song when we're crying because the music is so touching? Does the Father say that glorifies Him here? Sure, He loves to be worshipped. Sure, He loves us to cry out to Him and call and sing to Him. But here, the Lord specifically says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So, let's wrap this up. The Lord here is so sweet. The Lord here is so honest. The Lord here is telling us that I want you to abide in me after you're saved. After you're saved and you believed in me, that is not the end of your Christian journey. In fact, that is the beginning. That is when we are actually tied into the vine. And now, as a branch in the vine, our job is to bear fruit. Our job is to let the seed get into a heart, into the good soil, grow so that we can bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Our job is to be just like the grain of wheat that fell into the ground and died. That one, the Lord Jesus, bore a lot of fruit, us being included in that. And guess what? Now we follow that same pattern of beginning brand new ones, of shepherding them, of nourishing them with the word. And how do we know that we are abiding in our wonderful Lord? We know because God's word abides in us. We know because we are abiding in his love. And we know because in him, our joy is full. So I hope this little parable series really touched you because it touched me. I love the Lord. I love his word. I love how practical and applicable this word is. And again, there's no theological debate in John 15. What we need to see, if we're here trying to theologically debate John 15, we've missed the point of what the Lord is talking about. What he's talking about is abiding in him so that he would be our source, so that we would bear fruit through him. And again, who gets the glory? Not us. It's the Father. I hope you guys really enjoyed this series. Um, We've got a lot of stuff coming up, so I might have to take a small hiatus. But hopefully when the semester starts back, we will start back on this series again. But of course, I might drop some here and there. But I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do, feel free to share it with your friends. I hope you guys have a great day. Dark.